everybody out there. If anyone can hear me, if anyone's still alive. Welcome to the Board Game Mechanics. I am Katie, and with me, as always... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. So we are still surviving here in the Midwest with our Governor Mike DeWine leading the way with shutting down all kinds of things. Trying to keep us safe. Except for my work. Except for Jason's work. He is essential. I'm also essential, but I'm doing my essential work from the house, which is why I haven't showered in like four days. (laughs) Yeah. I did shower today because I had to go to work. Yeah. Apparently, Jason's job is super essential to the world right now. So I hope everybody's staying safe. Hope you're washing your hands. You know, not breathing on other people. Not going out licking doorknobs and coughing on your grandma. That's a problem. I mean, even not in these times, you probably shouldn't do any of that. That's true. But again, people have suddenly seemed to realize how to wash their hands, and they were missing that vital piece of information before now. That is true. If nothing else comes out of this, at least people know how to be clean. I mean, heesh. Like, I don't even... It's been... I have been doing work from home for quite a while, because I... Right before we got, like, the shutdown... Um, of schools, I had my um, college's spring break the first week of March. So I went back and taught maybe, I don't know, one class, two classes maybe before. Yeah, I think it was, it was two. Before they um, said, okay, we're suspending class courses for like a week and a half, almost two weeks. And then you're going to start teaching online. So I have been doing nothing <laughs> for I mean, I'm doing stuff, but I have not gone out to a job in in almost a month. And I, the natives are restless. That's what I have to say. I don't know how about the rest of you, but the natives are restless here in our household. Yeah, it's getting it's getting bad. It's getting bad. Yeah, it's it's bad. But we want everybody to stay safe. We want to keep everybody healthy. So we'll do what we got to do. I've been reading some awesome books. If you need some book recommendations, you just hit me up. I am your girl for that. I've been reading some really good young adult series actually right now, so I'm super pumped, except for the fact that the series aren't finished, and what am I supposed to do with the rest of my time if I can't get the next book? <sighs> I'm like a junkie. We could play board games. I We have been playing board games. I just like to read. Reading was my first love before board games, and before you, yeah. actually. <laughs> Sorry. We did talk about today how this pandemic is kind of your bag, because now you can sit at home and read books more. Heck yeah. That's all I've ever wanted to do is just <laughs> sit at my house and read books all day in my pajamas, man. It only takes a pandemic to be able to catch up on your book reading. No, I have a huge list of two of books to read, and so I'm pretty pumped. I want to check off a few. Actually, the problem is I, start, I keep reading books that either I've already read or books that aren't on my list, which doesn't help the problem at all, but... Yeah. What can you do? All right. We can talk about some news, I guess. All right. So I'm going to start off the news and then Katie can go from there because I did uh, a review video for this game that I want to talk about. We've talked about it before, but a game on Kickstarter now that has 12 days left from Rock Manor Games is called Lawyer Up. And this game is fantastic. Uh, it's a two player card game where each player is taking on the role of uh, either the prosecution or the defense and you're trying to win the jury in your favor so if you're the defense you need to have one person that is unsure about the conviction and if you're the prosecution you need to have all the jurors on your side to get a conviction um it's a cool like tug of war style card play with some interesting little 
tug of war area control on each of the uh, the jurors. Uh, if you want to know more, you can go check out our video on YouTube. Um, it's amazing. This is probably one of the most interesting games that I think I've played in a while from my Kickstarter because it's different. It's a cool theme and it's just really fun to play. So lawyer up, twelve days, Rock Manor games, and I think the base game is twenty nine dollars. And with the expansion, it goes up maybe ten or twelve dollars. Yeah, it's pretty inexpensive, and we only have the one case, and so I'm super jelly of those of you of those of you who back this. Like uh, one of the expansions is a Salem witch trial. Oh, I cannot even imagine like the cool evidence that comes up. There's great like flavor text on these cards. Oh, I want it so bad, but I think the mob the mob one seems cool, and I hope there's a cannoli in it. That would be cool. But you have to to leave the gun in order to take the cannoli. Well, yeah, but as, and there, if there's not a card that says that, they really missed the boat. Mm, I wonder if they can, because that might be, like, you know, copyright stuff or whatever. Yeah, that's true. Who knows? Probably, probably not. All right. Uh, a game I want to talk about, apparently, um, Jason said this was on Kickstarter before, and I'm not really sure. Maybe that's why it seemed familiar. But this game, I think, is called... Well, Panda Main. That's, that's how I said it exactly in the last time we talked about it in the episode, too. <laughs> yeah, um, but then I'm wondering, I don't, I'm so, like, I'm not sure. I think it's supposed to be German. Um, I was trying to figure out, like, why you would call it that. Because it's um, it's about farmers. It's about you being a farmer and you're making bread. It actually means, it's Latin for Panis Domini. Uh-huh. And it means um, Lord's Bread. Mm. So this game also, I'm pretty sure, intrigued Jason because it's the artwork's not terrible, really, but it's a Euro-style game. It's a worker placement game. Um, but there are nobles because you are making bread uh, for, for nobles. It's set in medieval Germany, so I guess that's what kind of threw me off. So... You are making bread for these nobles, and you have to, like, get your ingredients, these different kinds of bread. Um, and so you're making people happy by giving them the bread because, hey, in the words of Oprah, I love bread. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you're also, while doing that, you, you can't just keep the people happy. you got to make sure you keep the Catholic Church happy. So you have to give them offerings and things based on, you know, the stuff that the money that you're getting from your breads. Give the bread from the bread. <laughs> um, because, you know, you don't want the Inquisition to come down on you. So it looks pretty fun. It's got meeples right up Jason's alley. It's got these, the grain tokens are actually pretty cute. I like the idea of like keeping your greetings. Like if you have to make a type of bread that um, uses milk, it will go bad at some point. So it sounds like there's some interesting things happening in here. It's not super straightforward. Um I think it looks great. So it's called Pandemain, possibly. Um, there are 19 days left for it on Kickstarter. And uh, the the game is 37 bucks. So pretty recently priced worker placement game. And it looks pretty cool. So if you're into Euro-style games like we are, I would definitely suggest you check the Kickstarter out for Pandemain. There's tracks and nobles and all kinds of stuff. It's great. Oh, yeah. This looks good for sure. Yeah, I, I'm down with this one. Are you backing it? No. Oh my gosh. There's even a solo mode. And there's actually a solo mode. It's for one to three players. So at one part, it, you can pay, play with three players against like the Automa. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, which is real. I think that's really cool. You've got like a rival yeah. baker that you're working against. Like, I th- I think that's cool. That's Pandaman. Uh, an- another game that I thought seemed right up our alley is called Lions of Lydia. 
And this is actually like an engine building and bag building game, which we are big fans of bag builders and engine builders for sure. Um, and this game is kind of set, well, the other game was set in medieval times. This is kind of going back further, um, King Croesus. So we're talking like Greek, Roman times here. And so you are working with merchants. You're, you're trying, because it goes through Lydia, which Lydia was actually really a city that existed in those kind of the Roman era. Um, very popular merchant city, very rich. It's where um, a, the purple dye originated around there. Um, not that you need to know that historical fact. I just happen to know weird stuff like that. So you're trying to balance like, okay, what merchants am I going to use? I want to get the most prestige. I want to make valuable things, get these properties. Um, and so you're drawing these merchants out of your bag to place them to get rewards to take actions and then you're adding new um, merchants into your bag each hand so it looks cool i think it sounds like an interesting concept they said it's like a kind of a, a gateway level engine building game so fairly light and pretty easy to learn so if that sounds like your bag i would check out lines of lydia which has 13 days left on kickstarter and the base pledge for that is 39 bucks yeah, this seems cool. Johnny Pack is has done some cool games. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention it was Johnny Pack. Fistful of Meeples. Uh, there's another really popular one that I'm drawing a blank on, but I've played a couple of his, and they're pretty good. This is a Johnny Pack game. There's also an upgrade available, which has, like, metal coins and stuff, which, of course, I love, but would never, ever get. And finally, in news, I have a rant. In general, I try to be a very positive person. Um, I don't know. If any of you are familiar with Strength Finder, one of my top five strengths is positivity. So I really do try to make everything positive. I'm an Enneagram 7, so we have a pocket full of silver linings for any occasion. But what just honks me off is all the isms, racism, and sexism, and especially when it comes to the gaming world, I get so mad when I see people excluding other people because of their ignorance. So I'm scrolling through Kickstarter looking for games I'm like, oh, cool. Look at all this stuff. And I'm not even going to name this project or who did it because I don't want to give them any credit, any glory. I don't want you all to look at their page. I mean, I'm sure you can find it. Maybe you all have seen it. If any of you have backed it, don't tell me because I will find you and break social distancing just to kick you in the kneecap because it's basically a Kickstarter. So you can download these, this for a 3d printer. It's these like pinup versions of supposedly like warrior type women or whatever. There's like a mermaid and, um, a Gorgon, like Medusa, and some fighter and some monk. But essentially, all of these 3D miniatures are topless. Or uh, this one, there's a witch and she's riding a broom with a thong on. Not comfortable. Doesn't make sense to me. Also, it's not associated with any specific game. So it's just like, hey, would you like a mini that objectifies a woman? Here you go. We've got some for you. You can download it right away. Make them yourself. Pay a little extra and we'll let you even sell them in your retail store. Now, I understand, and I get it, and I own Tonto Quarry, so I understand how there is this long-standing tradition of characterizing women in board games, RPGs, all that stuff, traditionally scantily clad, 
and sexy. And I'm not against women being sexy, owning their sexuality, whatever. However, when it is blatant and there's no purpose for it, like, how in the world is this, the one's like a rogue, and it, her, her top, like, it basically cuts halfway through her chest. How is she going to slice somebody's head off without her whole chest popping out of this outfit? Like, it's, it doesn't make sense. So it's just, it's just gratuitous. And most of them are just topless and, like, really um, proportionally unbalanced. Like, no woman ever looks like that. And if she did, she would go get breast reduction surgery because she would have a permanent backache and would be falling over. Like, it just, it's like, it's obscenely ridiculous. It's obscenely gratuitous. And I was not going to say anything about it. I was just going to be like, whatever. So I'm like, let me look at the comments. Because surely someone's commented on this Kickstarter and said, what the heck? Like, do we really need this? Like, what's the point of these miniatures? Like, I feel like this is objectifying women that you just have these half-naked women miniatures for people to print on back Kickstarter. Not a single one. Uh, all the comments were like, oh, these look great. I can't wait to see them. Yeah, I love that 3D view, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I thought, really? No one's standing up about this? And maybe maybe I'm getting crazy. But the fact that it backed in 17 hours on Kickstarter only further infuriated me. And part of it is the idea of when Kim and I wanted to do That's What She Said, which has kind of like morphed completely into the board game mechanics, which I'm fine with. It was because we wanted more female representation in the gaming industry because we love games too. And there's no reason why half of the population should be made to feel like they can't game, like there's no place for them, and that the only place that's there for them is as an object of someone else's desire. And it's all focused on their body. Like that is ridiculous. So if you've hung in here for my rant, I'm sorry. I, I mean, no, no, I'm not. I will not apologize for being upset about this because my daughters love to play board games and I don't want them to have to grow up into an atmosphere of board gaming where they're constantly being looked at based on their on their looks and what they can bring as far as their bodies are concerned rather than how great they are at strategy, how fun they are to be around, how good they are at games, what kind of sportsmanship they have. That's complete bull. And I won't even make Jason. Bring- yeah, I was gonna say, don't say it. I won't. Don't this say is a family. It. This is a family podcast, and that's another reason why that upsets me. Is yeah, I understand. Like, I get crossing the line a little bit. Wink, wink. We make these adult versions of games, but just to have a graphic representation that seems to serve zero purpose um, to objectify women's bodies in really unrealistic and ridiculous ways just ticked me off. So that's my rant. That's my soapbox. Um, if you're a toxic gamer boy who wants to have fantasy 3D um, minis of unproportional women, go ahead. Good luck finding a woman in real life. Done. Ooh, burn. I was I was <laughs> going to say something sarcastic at the end, but nah, I'll just leave it. Don't, because uh, I am I like, my I blood pressure is dangerously high right now, <laughs> and you are close enough for me to kick in the kneecap, so. <laughs> but, I, but what I do think is... Every time they do a project like that, if they have to continue to do projects like that, they should also do one of guys with huge, unproportional... Muscles. Junk. No, no. Junk. Women don't care about that. See, that's the thing. Like, no, women don't want to see dudes junk. They're gross. Wieners are gross. Nobody wants that. 
What we want is like, where is like the 3D printables of Jason Momoa? Okay. Jason Momoa. It's just him in different Yeah, poses. it's just Jason Momoa doing different stuff. Like Jason Momoa vacuuming. Jason Momoa like taking care of business. Like Jason Momoa with a hatchet. Jason Momoa cooking me dinner. Okay, that's that's the kind of 3D printables that should be out there if we want to appeal to everybody. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say anything, but yeah, I mean... He's pretty appealing. Anyway, <laughs> that's my rant. That's my rant. All right, so I think uh, we we've stuck a pin in that news. So let's move on. All right, my positive self is back, and thankfully, part of this kind of stay-at-home measures is that we have been able to play. A decent amount of games. So, babe, why don't you talk about a game that you have played? All right. So, I'm going to talk about a game that probably wouldn't appeal to me in a normal, everyday gaming night. But we have these friends that like to play games that are a little off the beaten path. That, Well, by beaten path, I mean games I would never give a second thought to, but they really enjoy. So, they brought over a game that's from Kramer and Keesling. It's a re-implementation of Java. And this version is called Kuzco. Cusco. I can I only think of the Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, like the llama from Emperor's New Groove, all that stuff. So what this game is, I still don't even really know what it is. You're playing these tiles down, every tile is the same. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to put these yellow like city land sand looking tiles together to form cities or temple i don't remember what it's called but to form this area of two to ten tiles once you form an area of two tiles you're allowed to build a temple on it the size of two and you're going to get points equal to half the value of the temple in order to upgrade that temple from a two to the next level which would be a four you then have to be at a higher level by using these tiles to stack on top of other tiles than the previous person to be able to upgrade that t- that temple essentially what this game is is it's a really tricky area control game where you're you have to build 3d and uh yeah you have to build 3d so there's like an area control on different levels which is kind of confusing and messes with your head a little bit but that was a really terrible explanation (laughs) most people know what java is um if you haven't seen or know anything about that i'm sure rado's gonna play through because he plays through everything go check out java Uh, if you like kramer and keesling this is probably going to be one you're going to enjoy because they do a lot of these the mask it's one of those mask games there's like three of them there's mexica java and i think to call or something like that so it's one of those where you're playing tile and trying to build temples and whoever gets the most points is the winner so that was Cusco. i kind of liked it i think it was different and probably something i'll never play again but it was fun so Cusco. yeah it was okay um i i did i didn't i didn't really like it um well you don't like tile like that area control and different level stuff right that, right it was like a multi a, like a just smorgasbord of things that i don't really like about games thankfully it wasn't in space or futuristic or anything so i was able to handle the theme which is fine um right but yeah like it it's just a little fiddly i think and um i mean but if you like tiling games i could see what this is fun and the 3d aspect of it is kind of nice like the temples will have these nice chunky pieces that build them up and it looks neat when it's all kind of laid out with different things stacked up at different levels and stuff um it just wasn't for me yeah i mean it, it did look yeah the board did look really cool and it was all set up and ready to go but yeah 
It's just not my taste. But speaking of another game, it's not my taste. Um, <laughs> we also played a game that was the hotness a couple of years ago. What, like two years ago, maybe? Yeah, I think two years ago. Um, well, and then like 20 years before that. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right. And that's Fireball Island. So Fireball Island, you are little explorers moving around this island um, that occasionally shoots fireballs out of this like tiki kind of god at the top. You're trying to collect treasures um, and other kind of artifacts to get points. You can try and knock people, other people down to take artifacts for them and then get onto the helicopter to get off the island. Um, it was okay. Like, it wasn't great. I don't... There's a dexterity element to it where you're flicking, like, these little embers, like, marbles, um, trying to hit other players, and I just end up hitting myself or missing everyone completely. So, you know, that's pretty usual dexterity for me. Um and then, like, you're playing cards to get your movement, and the cards allow you to do different things, which I think was kind of cool. Um, and I'm just glad that I played it once, um, and I think that's that's enough for me. I can see where kids really like it because you're, like, trying to, like, knock people off of the marbles. And um, I felt like the impetus was almost, like, get everything that you can and, and get off the island. And I don't always like games like that where it's a race because I feel like I can't take my time to develop my strategy and really get around to do what I want to do. Um, so I just kind of, like, cut and run kind of after I got a few good things and, like, got off the island pretty quick and started, like, the end of, um, like, the end of game kind of mechanism going. <laughs> It was it wasn't bad like it was okay, and I can see where some people would really like it because it, it the, there is a novelty to it for sure. Right, yeah, and I think a lot of people that like it is because they liked it back in the eighties or whenever it came out the first time. Yeah, the nostalgia factor is high. I think it was the nineties. Yeah. It could be either way. Um, I mean, I didn't hate this. It, it's it, there's no strategy really. It's essentially a roll and move game, but instead of rolling dice, you're flipping cards or you're playing cards. Yeah. And you're just moving this guy around to collect some pictures and treasures and, yeah, just racing. So don't be expecting, like, a super deep game. But, I mean, if you just want to hang out and be silly for 30 minutes, not a bad game. Flipping the, flipping the marbles was kind of fun to me, so I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's Fireball Island. All right, so the next game I want to talk about, I played with my youngest daughter because she was bothering me to play a game. So I gave in. Hmm. And the game that we played was called Fairy Tile. So, this is a game from Yellow, I believe. I'm pretty sure. And what what you're doing in this, it's a super straightforward game. So, there's these three little characters. There's a, a dragon, a princess, and a knight. You're going to put this tile down on the board, these three tiles down, and each of them is going to have a spot on, the, on one of the three tiles where they're going to start. On your turn, you're going to either put down a new tile... Or you're going to move one of these people in their certain movement patterns. So, like, the princess can move one space away. The knight can move two spaces away from their current space. And the dragon can move in a straight line all the way as far as it can go in any of the directions as long as it's a straight line. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to meet the goals that you have on these, like, fairy tale book cards. So I may have a card that says the knight and the princess need to meet in a forest. So somehow I got to get the knight and the princess to get on a forest tile or a forest section of a tile before someone else moves them and gets them out of the way. And the first person who can complete other goal cards is the winner. It's really easy. Um, it's Rory didn't have an issue with it because, I mean, I had to read the cards to her a little bit, but 
she was able to figure out how to move and all that stuff. So I think this is a good game to play with kids. Rory might be a little too young, but I would say maybe seven or eight kid would have a good time. And yeah, I, I mean, I didn't love it because it's super light and eh, and it had minis. But for a kid's game, not bad. So fairy tile. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I wasn't here when you played this or something. or I don't know what I was doing, but I don't remember you guys playing this. But the cutest thing about it was Rory had such a good time with it that one of her like um, work-at-home school assignments is to write a story. And she wanted to write a story about playing this game with her dad. So she <sighs> she talked about what the game, like what it was called and um how you played it and then she like took one of the tiles and because she she also had to illustrate the story she took one of the tiles and like traced it and you know drew like the princess and the dragon and the knight like she um it must have made an impression on her because she she wanted to write this story for school about it so that's to me that's a rousing endorsement yeah i mean she seemed to like it at first she was not really understanding the movement but once she got that down she was like, oh, I'm going to move the dragon over here because I got to get the dragon where the, the princess is. I was like, all right, you you do you. Let's see. Yeah. The last game I talk about, I don't, I feel like we've talked about this game before, but maybe not. Um, it's Fantastic Factories. And um, we bought this from one of our friends because I had played their copy a couple times and they just decided that they didn't like it enough to keep it as part of their collection. And Fantastic Factories is at heart an engine builder so you're drafting um these machines to then like build in your tableau and in order to do that you have to um discard not only the supplies needed to build it which is um energy and gold but also a card um that has the same symbol on it so it's i i like i like games that have multi-card use so you're deciding what cards do I want to keep um, because I want to build them. Can I build it if I have the right card? You're drafting a card on every turn. And you can either draft cards that give you these buildings to possibly build or to use to build another card. Or you can draft these like experts or specialists. I don't I forget what they're called. They have a specific name and I don't remember what they are. Um, um, I can't remember. In- engineers architects no, that's yeah those are their actual the names of the cards but oh yeah i have no idea i don't know we'll say i don't know experts or something so you can draft one of those instead of taking an actual card that has a building on it and they'll give you like extra dice and things to roll and so what happens is each person has you draft cards then you have four dice of your own that you roll sometimes um the different experts that you choose can give you extra dice or you can build some factories that will also give you dice as well. And then you're rolling them and deciding where am I going to put these dice to produce things. So you're trying to build an engine to get enough energy to get um, energy and or gold to then maybe feed into other um, factories. They're going to at some point churn you out goods. Um, so it's a fairly quick little game. But that and that makes the decisions really tight. Like, how can I get goods the fastest? Which of these buildings um, can kind of help run my engine? Is there a way to mitigate my dice rolls to get the ones that I need? Um, I think it's I think it's really fun. I like it. Um, the first time I played it, I failed horribly. Like I sucked so bad. But I also thought it was really fun. Like I just really enjoyed it because I enjoy that engine building piece and. Um, so the next couple times I played it were much, were much, I did much better, <laughs> but I still enjoyed it just the same. Um, 
because I just love that engine building and, and, and the decisions are so like they're like, how am I going to, how you spend your dice, how you spend your cards, how you're going to spend your drafting turn. All of those choices are really critical. And I love that thinkiness of it. So that was fantastic factories. Yeah. I like the part. Uh, well, I don't like it. It's irritating, but I also enjoy it. The part where you have to spend a card that you may want to build because it has the symbol that you need to build another card with that symbol. Uh, that's so irritating, but it, it makes for good gameplay because then you have to actually sacrifice things to build something that you think is better for your engine. So I enjoy that. So yeah, this is a really good game. I like it. And it's pretty quick. 30, 40 minutes. Not too bad. Yeah, that's what I think is great about it. So those are the games that we have been playing. So for our feature today, we wanted to kind of continue on, I guess not today, but this week, we want to kind of continue to build on the fact that we're all trying to work on social distancing. We're all trying to work on staying at home. And um, someone, I just read online that someone was saying at Barnes & Noble that people are out there buying board games and puzzles like it's Christmas. And um, <laughs> that's true. And and I think that's great. If some, nothing comes out of this, maybe more people will be interested in the hobby because they've had to spend time with people that they live with and they want to do things like that, which I think is amazing. So since last week we talked about games that we would take into quarantine with us and thank you all so much who actually responded on Facebook or the riveted and said, Hey, these are the games that I would take to quarantine. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, this week we want to talk about games that you could play remotely. Now we'll have to give a little bit of caveat for this. So there are some games that you could play remotely where one person is kind of running the game and everyone else just is tuned in on zoom or Google Hangouts or FaceTime, or I don't know, a billion other online possible ways to do this. Um, and so your basic RPGs, roll and writes, that sort of thing is, is pretty easy to do remotely. And a lot of people are doing those, and that's awesome, and that's great. But we tried to think a little bit outside the box and say, okay, if you and another person or a couple of people had the exact same game, could you feasibly play this over the internet, over some kind of streaming service, social media kind of thing. So we came up with three, and they may be a bit of a stretch, a couple of them, but we'll leave that to you to decide if it'll work. So the first one I picked is The Quacks of Quedlinburg. <laughs> so if everybody has a copy of this game, uh, we'll assume one player will be manning the scoreboard slash um, cards, so they'll be flipping cards and keeping track of the score. Then every other player on their camera, or what, however they're going to show it, can have their own player board showing so people can kind of see what's going on. So since not since there aren't any pieces that people have to share, you're only doing your own thing at the bag other than the scoreboard, I feel like this would be a good one because I'm doing my own thing, you're doing your own thing. We're not competing for the same kind of chips, we're not competing for anything. And if I need to roll a die, I'll have my own die for my copy to roll and just tell you what I got. So Quacks of Quedlinburg is my first pick for gaming remotely. Yeah. And a lot of people really get into this game and I think it's, it since it's such a fun, easy game, lighthearted game, um, it would go over well to have people other places. I guess another caveat we should say is that you're playing online with people you trust not to be cheaters. Well, yeah, you should always play with people who don't cheat. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's yeah. always my, un my unwritten rule. 
Um, so my first game is a game that I'm actually hoping to play remotely. My best friend and I love this game, and I've talked about it a billion times on this podcast. Maybe not a billion, but we're getting close. And that is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. So um, she just texted me the other day and said, okay, I think we can play Sherlock over um, Google Hangout. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm willing to give it a go. And I just thought, well, I'll lay out the map and I can just, you know, move my phone around or something. We could FaceTime or whatever. And I could show her what everything looks like. And normally I'm the one who reads out the story and the different clues where we go to different places. So I could just do that. And she's like, well, I'm going to drive over to your house. I'm just going to stay in the car. You just come out and slip through my car window, the map and the directories. And I'll take those home. So then you have like the book with the case. And so then you can read the case parts and I'll tell you the different, which this is usually how, how we function. Anyway, she takes notes. I'm reading through the case. You know, I do some of my own notes a little bit, but she's basically my Watson. And then if I'm like, Hey, we should talk to this person. She'll hunt him down the directory or she'll, I'll say, where's this thing? And she'll, you know, check around on the map. Um, and so I, I feel like it would be super easy to do that in your own perspective, respective houses. It's not obviously a big interaction game, which is why some people don't like it, Jason. Um, and there is a lot of reading involved, which is like talking on the phone. So I feel like consulting detective would work perfectly um, from distance. And even though my friend and I don't have each own copy of the game, for me, it would be easy to get it to her. And even if she lived farther away, um, like I could easily mail the booklet and, and the map to her with, you know, very little kind of cost. And then we could do it that way too. So that's my choice. Consulting detective. Yeah. I think that's a good pick. Uh, yeah, I don't like this game, but <laughs> it's a good this, pick cause you don't have to play it with me if I do it this way. <laughs> yeah, this is a good, it, it kind of lends itself to that because like you said, yeah, it's just reading and, you know, looking at a map, you don't really need to be even sitting close to each other to do either of those things. So. Yeah, I, th- I think this would work pretty well. I need to do it. I should call her up right now and be like, I'm driving the map over. Are you ready? <laughs> you guys have problems. I'm going to text her right now while you're talking about your next game. All right, so my next game is a party game because I love, par- I love party games. But the reason I picked this one is because this would be really easy to do even if you don't have a copy of the game. And the game that I'm going to say is just one. So essentially all you're going to need for this is everybody's going to need to have a marker board, a dry erase board, and someone's going to need to make up, like everybody can have like eight or nine cards with five things written on it. And you're going to flip a card, and you're going to pick a word, and everybody will write down a word, and whoever's trying to guess the word might have to close their eyes on the camera so they don't know what you know the clues are. But after that, they can open their eyes, and then you play just one like normal. They're looking at all the clues, trying to figure out what the word is. So I, I yeah. If you have a copy, cool. If you don't, I think it would work just fine. So that is my second pick, just one. Yeah, this game is, again, super easy. Like, you could play this with, like, get your grandma on Zoom. You got you got to just send her the link. Grandmas are getting fairly savvy about clicking on the links and, and getting, getting on the Zoom, getting on the, I don't know, there's all kinds of different things that they have for people to see other people. Um, I don't the know jitterbug. how. Jitterbug. Jitterbug. I don't think that works like that. I don't know how Google Hangout works because I'm a terrible elder millennial and don't understand technology like at all. The only reason I understand Zoom is because my school made me get it for my students. And then I actually used it with one student and like worked out all the 
<laughs> all the weird kinks to figure out how to use it. Um, but you could get all kinds of family members, all kinds of people on here that really don't play a ton of games either, but they want the interaction. And I think that would make it really fun. Again, you have to trust them to close their eyes and not look <laughs> or whatever, but I'm sure right, you could yeah. get that to happen. It's not like you're playing like with my grandmother, who's a total cheater. My Japanese grandma. Oh, no. I was going to say. <laughs> no, not my grandma Iris. No, my Japanese yeah. grandma's a total cheater. Well, oh, I mean, my gosh. she wouldn't be able to, I mean, understand the rules anyway, probably. So... She or figure out the tech or figure out the technology. Well, that's true. The nursing <laughs> home isn't that high tech, but <laughs> right. it's, it definitely is a very accessible game. I think. Yeah. Um, my next game is along the roll and write kind of um, bandwagon, I guess, or like idea. And that is the game on tour from boardgametables.com or I think that's the name of it. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Um, and I actually played this with my accountant sister who at first was like, what the heck is this? And then afterwards she's like, okay, I like that game. Now that I know how to play it, I want to play it again. She won anyway, the jerk, but no, she um, didn't. She tied me. She did tie you. Okay, fine. Um, but she's like, I did well, but I think I could do better. And that's, I think is the great thing about this game as well. Plus all that you need is, uh, the two to 10 set, like two 10 sided die. So even if you don't actually, I mean, you have to actually own the game, but, um, it's, it would be fairly easy to have dice to roll. And then you really only need one person with cards, but since everyone has to have the game for the board, um, you're going to have cards anyway. But then it's easy. Like, since the fact that it's, I think the only thing you have to do, like, when you first start the game, you set up four numbers at certain locations. And those four locations come out. So if we're playing remotely, I have to say, hey, you need to take out this card, this card, this card, this card. And then after that, you really could flip the cards, I feel like, in... It, it wouldn't matter independently or you could have one person who is flipping the cards and rolling the dice or you could have other people rolling dice so everyone gets a turn rolling the dice and getting the numbers because you're really right. just working on your own board you're plotting out your own tour and then at the end you're figuring out how you how, how to connect it like you don't have player interaction really at all except that at least one person needs to be flipping over three cards and someone needs to be rolling the dice right yeah i mean yeah, I would probably just have one person do all the rolling and flipping. But yeah, as long as you have a board, this will be perfect for sure. And again, this is another one that I was thinking, even if you don't have this game, um, the boards themselves are fairly light. You could easily mail mail them in like a, like a smaller size manila envelope um, to, to your friends if you all wanted to, to play this game. And it would, yep. would only maybe cost you a couple of stamps. And that would yeah. be it. And then once quarantine's over, you get them back. Yeah, I mean, you just have to say, hey, we're going to play a game on Saturday, so mail them out, like, Tuesday or Wednesday, just to be sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. Right. Like, I think that would, it wouldn't be hard at all. So that's why I picked on tour. Yeah, that's a good pick. I approve of that pick. Well, thank you. All right, so my last one. These are in no particular order. This is just the third one that I thought of. So the last one I want to talk about is an abstract game. And I feel like abstract games kind of lend themselves to this because there's perfect information. Everything you need to know is out on the board. There's no like random stuff. Nobody sharing any pieces or whatever. And the game I picked is Onitama. So the reason I picked this is because it's a little it's a little board. 
somebody could put a camera above the whole board, just one person. And then the other person they're playing with could just say, hey, I need you to move this piece with that one card right there and tell them how to move the piece and they would move the piece for you. So you could still be getting a good brain burn of looking at the cards, trying to figure out which piece you want to move and then have the other player move it. So if you don't know how to play this game, which most people do, um, there it's it's like a little mini version of chess kind of. There's, I think there's four or five pieces on each side. And each player is going to have two cards in front of them with, I think, two cards over on the side that are going to be rotated in and out or one card on the side that are going to be rotated in and out. And you're only allowed to make movements based on the cards that are in front of you. So say I have a card that lets me move diagonal or two spaces in front of me or two spaces back. I can move any of my pieces in that in those those patterns, but I have to use those patterns. Then when I'm done, I'll take one of my cards and move it over to the side for my opponent to use on a future turn. So you're always going to know what movements are going to be happening. You're going to know what movements coming your way from your opponent. So you're going to be able to plan your turns, even though you're not physically at the board, you still have your brain going to try to see what you can do. So Onitama is my pick here, but pretty much most abstract games would probably be okay. So that's my last one. Right. Well, and like chess would be super easy because a lot of people, like, especially when you play in um, like the competitive realm, people will say, you know, knight for black knight to red five or I don't know, L7. I don't, whatever. But they, <laughs> okay. B13. <laughs> Did they I, turn it into bingo? I, I was. I don't know how I'm not I know how to play chess but I don't. So I'm not the right person to say this but um night to like L5 don't they say something like that? It doesn't matter. Nobody plays chess. Nobody that listens to our podcast is going to be playing chess. Some people do, but like since they're calling out where things go a lot of times and say where things are moving, I feel like that it lends itself to just having one person with a board. You could even do chess this way and just set things up like that. I mean, I would never do it because I hate abstract games, but, you know, if you like them, go for it, man. Right, yeah. And so my final game I want to talk about, I actually kind of ordered these because I feel like this is the best one, and it just came to me, like, 10 minutes before we did the podcast. Um, And so I felt pretty proud of it. And my last choice is Villainous because... Your characters are pretty much independent from everybody else. I mean, yes, you interact with other people's characters, but they are turning over a deck of their own that you are able to have them do that to. Um, also, mostly when I've played it, I can't... We play on kind of like a bigger table, so I can't always reach over and flip the cards off your deck anyway when I'm going to work against you. So... A lot of times the other person is the one flipping the cards over and putting the cards where I tell them to put them because of just the physical distance. And so that's why I feel like this would be perfect to play online. Also, you don't even have to have the exact same game of Villainous because you could just have different characters and that's fine. You play the character that you have and then you flip the cards over for me on your Villainous deck and I tell you where to put the, which one to pick and what to use. And then I'm playing my deck because I'm playing what's in front of me. And this game really lends itself to that because of the minimal interaction. And yeah, a lot of people say that there is a bunch of player interaction in Villainous, but only up to a point. And so if on camera, everyone's seeing your boards, they know, okay, how close are you to the goal, whatever. And if you read the goal, or you can remind people of what your character's goal is. Um, there really is no need for you to be in the same location to play this game at all. I think it's perfect. 
Plus, yeah, I mean, it's, it's no quacks, but yeah, it's well, pretty good. Plus, you can find it at Target, and uh, maybe That's just. True. And so it's, it would be easy for someone to say, "Hey, you want to play a game online? Why don't you just go pick up whatever box with has the characters in it that appeal to you, and we'll play." Yeah, that's true. That would work. Then you don't have to mail anything. Right. And you I can mean, play a game in you like could mail one, like the one player piece and two decks of cards and the board. Like that really would also fit in a small envelope. But still, to that's go out true. and pick up the, and some of them really aren't that expensive to get just a pack of a couple characters. And then you can play the characters that appeal to you. And we're still playing a game together, but we don't have to be in the same space at all. So that's Villainous, my last choice. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, this is the closest that I think we got to like <laughs> a decent sized Euro game with villainous. Like I was racking my brain and I couldn't come up with anything. I know we tried really hard. A lot of the games <laughs> that we play require this interaction and you're blocking off spots. And I was really, I, I almost had myself convinced that Dinosaur Island could be played um, remotely, but then you have to draw the um, the visitors out of the bag, out of a joint bag. And then I'm like, ah, oh, crap. That ruins yeah. it. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, I, I think sure. that's the only part that messed it up. Yep. Dang it. So close. All right. So those are three games from each of us that we think could feasibly be played remotely. I know some of you out there in the Riveted have been posting what games you're playing. Some of you are playing games remotely. Um, a couple people mentioned like Gloomhaven and those kind of games. So um, we only play a certain type of game for the most part i acknowledge that for sure um so some of you who are games or the story-based games or whatever what games really work for this kind of remote thing and what have you guys gotten into what have you played please tell us please find us on facebook please join the riveted little group on facebook we are super supportive encouraging community you guys are awesome everyone is awesome in the riveted and we love just to talk about games and we don't get to other of the bull that's out there. So um, join us, yeah. find us on Twitter, um, Instagram, all that jazz. YouTube. YouTube, for sure. We've been having more time to do videos because we don't go anywhere in the evenings. So we're trying to put more, con- Jason is really good at putting more content out there, reviews and stuff. Um, so please contact us, friend us, like us, all of that great stuff to keep you sane. During coronavirus 2020. (laughs) Yep. All right. That's a pretty short podcast for us tonight, I think, babe. Yeah, I think we're catching our stride on these, like, 40-ish minute episodes. It's nice. I also want to get back to my book that I'm reading, so. Yeah, it's true. I mean, one week it's Love is Blind, another week it's the book. (laughs) Actually, the, the the true problem with the coronavirus for me right now is the fact that for some reason... Speedway does not have orange slices. I don't know why. Like, I mean, I like all kinds of food, but for some reason, I've just been really wanting orange slices. And if you don't know what that kind of candy is, you are sad. Go find them. But they are not at my Speedway. They are not at Meyer when Jason went and picked up some groceries the other day. I don't know who decided that in their pandemic stock up, they had to take all the orange slices, but I'm ticked. And I want those orange slices. So if any of you see any, mail them to me. I'll give you our address if you PM me or DM me because I need some orange slices. 
Going the crazy. funny thing is, the last time we talked about Speedway, I tagged them and they actually responded back. So I'm going to do it again. I'm going to tag Speedway and see what happens. And it's the Speedway brand orange slices that I really like. <laughs> yeah. I really like them. Like they had the fruit slices, which I tried. So I ate out all the orange ones and the lemon were fine. But I don't like cherry. I don't like grape. And the lime were just eh. I just want the orange slices. Speedway. I need them. What's happening? <laughs> Yeah, they'll get you some. I'll tag them and they'll send you some. <laughs> I wish. Our new sponsor, Speedway. <laughs> the podcast from the co- podcast, Katie's Quest for Orange Slices. <laughs> Day yep. five without orange slices. <laughs> you know, it's first word problems when you're complaining about your favorite candy. It's not the store. Yeah, that's true. I wasn't going to say it, but yes. I know. I know. <sighs> All right. I think that's it for us. Uh, I'm Katie. And I'm Jason. And keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. talk about this or are you gonna i thought you it? were gonna talk about it because you put it on there oh sorry yeah i can do it it's what happens when you start messing in my news i just decided you must be taking over so i'm just gonna let you go